What is up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in once again to the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. It's been a while. I'm really sorry that I haven't been around. I've been out of town. I've been doing some other stuff. And let's just be real, I've been slacking a little bit. Um, I did go back to Florida to attend my boy, A. Scott, and his lovely wife, Ashley's wedding. Shout out to both of them. I hope y'all have a tremendously long and fruitful life together. Two dope people. Uh, Happy I could be in attendance for that. But now that we're back, I wanted to come back with something that meant something. And so even when I got back, I was I didn't want to just come back and give you guys a trip update because that's not really podcast worthy. Um, but I think I have something that people can actually use. So we're going to do this today. Um, a few years back, my oldest brother, Henry, had a mantra. I think it may have even been like a company, but I don't think he got it like, like copyrighted and stuff. Um, called Manifest Destiny, which is something that he was writing on his Facebook a lot, Twitter a lot, and um, the basis of it is you essentially create the future and the life you want for yourself. You don't let the world and your situations determine where you are. And it seems, I think, simplistic. I think we all on some level ascribe to this. Like We all Think if I go to school and then do the right things and I'll be this. And then once you kind of get into the throes of it, um, it does seem like sometimes a system operates around you and you're like, well, I went to school, but I don't know if I'll get the job. And if I don't get the job, then I'll, this is my fallback. And you kind of start building contingencies, which is normal. You don't want to kind of be asked out, right? You, you made a move and then it just doesn't go the right way. Um, but what that does is it, it kind of lets everything else determine where you are. You're allowing your situation to determine what your altitude is. And this is a normal human thing. I do it all the time. I'm sure a lot of you do it as well. But the idea that you can shape the world you want to live in, I think this is part of what the secret is, um, like the whole law of attraction thing. But that's you know, a movie and a book, and I think it's been hyped up to a certain level. But a lot of those elements, I think people who have become successful say this while they live their life. They put it out there, and it kind of comes back to them. So I guess I'm taking an element from that, and we're just calling it Manifest Destiny because I don't want any copyright stuff with the secret. Not that I have enough followers, despite the millions of listeners, but... It's an interesting concept, and I never like really questioned him on how that came to be or what led him to that point. Maybe it's just something he read and thought it was dope, and just um, he came to studying American history and so manifest destiny. We're gonna just expand and you know kind of do the whole thing. But I've recently been thinking about it, and I've had some higher ups and some mentor type people kind of sit me down and kind of figure out where I, I am personally. And I kind of give them the cookie, the cookie cutter response. Well, you know, I'm doing a little better, but you know, the system is what it is. You know how LA is, rough, 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 you know, all that normal stuff. And for most people, they just say, well, yeah, you know how the game goes. Just kind of keep plugging the head. I'm sure you're going to come out the other side. That's generic advice I get for most people. But the advice I've gotten more recently is you have more power than you realize. And you're allowing 
what you perceive as roadblocks that kind of shape the way you move. It's not necessary. You have enough power to create the life you want to create. So, for instance, if you want to start a company, right? Obviously, you know, you want capital to like do all the things you need to do with it, but there's nothing stopping you from doing all the other legwork part of it. Find out if the name you want for your company is available. Or how much is it to get that copyright or the trademark or whatever? Um, what what do you need for the company to be sustainable? So let's say in my industry, it's like fitness, right? So what? how much do equipment costs? Uh, building rentals, et cetera, et cetera. And you can start doing the legwork for it. And what happens, or so I've been told, is that when you start shaping the world you want, then things start falling in place that correlate with that. And so you may say, I want to start a tech company, but you may not know a whole lot about tech. And so you start, you go to a workshop or you have an idea and you start talking to people who you know are involved in tech. And then you kind of hash out what the details are. And at some point while you're doing that, there may be an internship that opens up that can probably put you further ahead in what you're trying to do. You take the internship and you meet some connections and you kind of keep rolling with it. And as you keep going, you'll find that a lot of those questions you had start being answered. A lot of those, well, I hope I can, you know, meet this or I hope I can discover so-and-so starts happening. Opportunities kind of happen to go along with what the goal is. And it's because you put the energy out there and it's because you have the fortitude and the mentality to kind of trudge ahead. Because what happens to a lot of people is that they have an idea or they have some world they want to create and they'll work towards it for a certain period of time. And if it doesn't pan out as quickly as they want it to, or if they face you know, some resistance, we all do. That's the, that's, the, that's the way life is. Then they may not have the grit or perseverance to push through that. And, it, and they just stop short and never fully realize what it could be. And I think this is easy to do, especially if you're in a situation where you don't, you're not stable. Now, let's say you wanted to change careers and start something completely brand new, but you don't have money to just quit your old job. So you're like, I'll kind of do the side thing now, and then when that pops, then maybe I can leave my job. But then if it doesn't pop soon enough, then you feel like you're wasting resources and time going to your main job still. And so you say, well, I tried to try to get this little startup off the ground, but you know, I couldn't do it because it took too much money and took time for my real job, and so I just bailed on it. But it's possible that startup could have worked for you. It may have needed more time, more energy, more cultivation to kind to to kind of grow the way it's supposed to. And so this has been told to me by a few different people who I, you know, put stock in, people who I think are doing well for themselves. And it's something I never fully thought about, I guess, in that way, because of what I'm doing, because of where I am. We all know, or at least you probably heard, that L.A. is connections. It's not what you do, it's who you do, right? That's one part. Or it's not what you know, it's who you know. I think to some degree those are both true. And 
if you just kind of wait for the, well, I hope I meet the right person kind of thing, which is what I think a lot of people do, then I think it's a very good chance you won't succeed. You won't make it in whatever field you want to. There's a, there's a blueprint. You know, we know for the most part who the players are. You know who directors are. You know where the studios are. You know where the comedy clubs are. You know who the owners are. You can make moves. It may be the person that shows up at the comedy club every night pestering the host to get, hey, just give me five minutes. Give me five minutes. And the host is like, nah, I can't, man. I shows but come back tomorrow. Hey, man, give me five. Give me five. And they may say no for some time. It may be weeks, maybe a couple months. And in the moment, it'll feel like a waste. But at some point, at least in my industry, comics are fickle <laughs> and they show up late, which happens all the time. Or they're drunk, which also happens a lot. Or they just don't show up. Hey, man, my flight didn't come in or I'm stuck in traffic, whatever. And then that one day you think, all right, going back to the club to ask to get five minutes. Hey, man, let me get five minutes. <sighs> you know what, man? Let's put you out there before the opener. Get the crowd warmed up. And then that's when the second part of this whole thing takes off. It's you've now gotten the opportunity that you were hoping for. And you have to be ready for it. You have to take the opportunity and capitalize on it. This is why all the legwork is done on the back end. Or I'm sorry, on the front end. So on the back end, you're just reaping the rewards of it. If you're a comic who's been begging for time on stage but you don't have a cohesive and tight set, then I think your priorities are jacked up. You're asking for something you don't deserve yet. You're not even prepared for it, but you want it. And they give you five minutes, and then you go up there and you bomb. And then you come back. I promise I got five good minutes. That was just a weird, the crowd was off, man. Because you may never get the five minutes again. Because now they remember, hey, you were the guy, you tried hard, you persevered. Um, But you didn't do well. (laughs) <laughs> you fell through the cracks, the crowd didn't like you, you failed. And then, you know, you got to try the same tactic at a different club probably. But if you keep going with it, you will get your material right, and eventually you will get the opportunity and you will blossom with it. I don't know if I told this story in a podcast before, but I'm going to do it now. When I was in Miami, I always wanted to be like a comedy host and also a performer, but... Something about the host, the fact that I didn't have to be funny, I could just kind of vibe with the crowd and just kind of talk and be fun, was alluring. There was something about that. And I started performing at this spot, Speak Fridays. And the owner, host, creator, Rob, cool dude. Rob's one of the the biggest influences on my comedy career. Um, And I've told him this in person a number of times. But... He was the host of this night that had such an eclectic group of people. It was like music, it was poetry, it was comedy, spoken word. It was a whole lot of stuff happening. And he generally kept the room flowing. He had some jokes, he had some bars, he had some encouraging stuff. They had like vendors come through. It was a whole lot of stuff going on. And I love this spot. It's like every Friday in a, in a warehouse with red lighting. It's dope. And then they eventually expanded. Now they're in a much better situation now. Because the word of mouth has gotten out and all that stuff. But at a certain point, he took on like a co-host. Maybe because he wanted to <laughs> he wanted to smoke and he just didn't want to have the responsibility of running a show and be high. Sometimes he had to do stuff with vendors where he had to go out and you know, make sure that 
the food trucks were good and he wanted to move around and he didn't want to have to close the show. So I think he took on like Bratless and like Sophia, a couple other people. And I remember asking him, hey, man, let me host, let me host. And he's like, nah, man, I got, I got my guy. I'm like, come on, man, let me host. I, this is week after week after week. I was begging him to let me host. And maybe three, maybe three months went by and he never let me host. He did give me better time slots for comedy, though, so I appreciate that part. But he did let me host. And one day, he was going to be out of town. I think he'd spend time with his mom. And the guy he had hosting with him was also out of town. I think he had a show or something. And he was like, hey, man, the show has to go on. You've been asking for it. Your stand-up's gotten better recently. I'm going to give you a chance to host. And I was like... <gasps> <laughs> I was like swallowed my gum and I wasn't chewing it. I was very nervous. I was like, oh man. But then I felt like I was ready. I was like, I'm I could do this, man. I've been begging for this forever. Now I had no hosting experience whatsoever. I had done TV production, I had done some theater stuff, but I had never done hosting. But I was like, I think I've been wanting this for so long. I've been watching it, watching the mannerisms, watching how to bring the list up, how to like get the crowd going. I've been I felt like I was ready for it. And um so I got to host. And I would be lying if I told you I was perfect and, you know, at the gate, baby, a champion. What happened was initially things were good. It was easy. The crowd wanted me to do well. They knew it was my first time and they kind of worked with me. David was a big help, too. Um, He's like the sound technician was, was big about helping me get through it initially. And then as the show went on, I think it hit a middle part where I think I lost control of the show. Certain things happened. I think I was trying to find a performer who was outside drinking, and I was trying to send someone to get the performer. So I'm on stage waiting for the performer to come back in, and the crowd is kind of restless because they're waiting for the show to just go. Hey, come up to the next stage, poet. Yay, clap up. They come up to perform. Now this person's outside. They can't find them. I'm trying to like stall. I'm talking to someone behind the mic. Hey, hey, are they coming or not? I'm doing all this. It's kind of getting lost in the middle. But we just I just kept pushing through. And eventually the show kept going on. We got some jokes in later on. We got pretty much all the acts up. We had to move some people around. Um, little conflict with comics. We talked it through. And when the night was over, I was a little disappointed because I didn't do as well as I wanted to do. I can admit that. I told Rob in the moment. I was like, hey, man, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry I wasn't better. I thought I had completely blown it. And... <laughs> he looked at me, he was like, it was a little rough. And it was, but he said, <laughs> I was like, I know, man, I didn't, didn't need that from you. It was a little rough. He said, but I thought you handled yourself well. There were some adverse moments. Um, just a couple of the performers dropped out. The crowd was kind of fickle, but you kind of kept your head in and you just pushed through it. I'm going to give you another shot. You showed me enough. And like, I was so, like, I was elated that he did that. And I felt on some level I didn't deserve it, but I think he was, his critique and his evaluation was accurate. And so he let me, pretty much for the rest of the time I was there, co-host the show. And this went on for, like, I don't know, probably close to a year. And it was it was awesome. It gave me a lot of stage experience. It taught me how to navigate with talent, how to, like, organize a show, all the behind-the-scenes stuff that, you don't know as a performer, you just go out there and perform. And I think it helped accelerate stage presence, crowd interaction, 
crowd work, like when I do jokes and stuff. And it's something that I beg for. And I knew at some point he would let me. I was like, I'm just going to annoy the hell out of him until at some point he does. And eventually he did. And again, I didn't do as well as I wanted, but I did well enough. And so I didn't realize I was enacting this principle then. I was just, I really want to host. And so I'm just going to keep doing it. And I think we all do this in some respects, in various parts of our lives, especially as a guy. It's like when you court a girl, you really like her, and she's kind of being coy about it. And I don't know. I don't really want to. I don't want to date. And you're like, come on, let me take you out. You just kind of do the whole the whole family matters story arc, all right? Steve Urkel, biggest nerd ever. Hi, Laura. You know he's doing a whole Steve Urkel thing, and she's. Very disrespectful to Steve Urkel, like extremely disrespectful. And then, you know, the whole Stefan thing happens, and she's like, oh, that's like the version of Steve Urkel always wanted, the sexy, cool version. And then, if you ever watch the show, at the very end, like she kind of has a choice of you can choose Steve Urkel, you can choose Stefan. And she realizes, I'm choosing Steve Urkel. Now, we know in real life, nah, she's riding with Stefan. Stefan's that dude. But he pretty much wore her down. <laughs> Over what an eight to ten season show, like he just kept, he just kept going. He just was like, "I'm going to keep. This is the woman I want. This is the one I want to marry. This is my queen. I'm gonna just keep going." And obviously, we're in a climate where you know you got to do that within reason. You can't just be harassing people. Um, but the idea that you're the one I want, and you don't maybe you don't know it yet. Maybe you're kind of out on me, I have to prove my worth to you. I'm going to keep going until you finally agree to go on a date with me. And then on the day, I'm going to treat you like a woman, be great to you, and then at some point, you're going to love me and get married. That idea that this is the person I want, this is what I'm pushing towards, is the same as me trying to get hosting. But again, we apply this sporadically. Apply it to that guy you like, that girl you like, that one gig, that one job you want, and then not to other parts of your life. Hey, you got that promotion yet? Uh, I'm just kind of waiting. You know, I do good work, and hopefully they recognize my good work, and eventually they move me up the ladder. How many times have you heard that conversation from yourself or from your friends? And it's, listen, you go in their office every quarter and just let them know, listen, I'm still going for that job. I know you haven't, you haven't given me the job yet. I'm going for it. And if I got to jump to a different company, you just keep pushing. You keep pushing. And then when that promotion comes open, they're like, yeah, there are a lot of like qualified people for this. But this person I know wants it the most because they've worked the hardest. They've told us verbatim, this is going to be my job. You may not give it to me today. You may not give it to me tomorrow, but it's going to be mine. And you keep pushing for it. And then you get it. And then once you get it, you hold on to it and you cherish it and you make it special. You make it your own. This is a principle that I am now applying. And again, this has only been like a week. So, you know, this is that honeymoon phase of it. But I'm applying it to every aspect of what I'm trying to do, of what I'm doing. Let's get the trying out of there. And every aspect of what I'm doing. I'm pushing ahead, putting the energy out, making the proper connections doing the legwork, the behind-the-scenes, dirty stuff that you know people don't... That's not sexy. Doing all that stuff. And just and pushing to make 
certain things a reality in my life. And when the opportunity comes, when the situation arises, I'll be ready. And then I can tell you guys all the cool stuff that I'm doing. (laughs) But we're not there yet, but we will be. And you can call it speaking it into existence. You can call it manifesting destiny. You can call it the law of attraction. You can call it hustling. You got a lot of different words for it. But what it is essentially is I'm going after something that I know I'm going to achieve. The only variable is when I'm going to, and even that variable, you know, I think it's flexible. I can kind of I can kind of push that a little bit. And when you get there, you just you make it what it is. And you make it special. So for those of you out there who are stuck in a certain situation or who are attempting to achieve something, but you're kind of wishy-washy about it. You got one foot in, one foot out. Um, You haven't formulated a cohesive plan to move forward with. I encourage you, sit down, do the dirty stuff. If If you're doing a business, do all the invoices and all the expense reports and all the all that paper stuff you don't want to do, do that part. If it's a job you want, find out what the qualifications of that job are. Find out the hiring people. You stay on top of them. And you just berate them until they finally give you a chance to. If it's that relationship or person you want, go after it. And don't do it in a creepy way. That will get you thrown in jail. Dudes. <laughs> and you go for it. And you don't stop going forward until you get it. And there'll be haters, obviously. There'll be detractors. Of course, there'll be obstacles. But that's to be expected because you're, a, you're moving towards something greater, something better. And none of that happens easily. There's always an obstacle to overcome or else it wouldn't be worth having or doing. So this is my call to action to you. What is it you want? Formulate a plan for it. Be as detailed as you want. Set goals. If it's financial, if it's month to month, if it's, you know, like dated, whatever. And then push towards it. And don't let anything or anybody derail you from what you're trying to do. And when you do it, holler at me so I can put you on a shout you out on the podcast. Because the people want to know about who's doing it and who's achieving it and whose plan is coming to fruition. That's special. That means something to us. That's why those stories of, yeah, I was in a broken home, or I was in a foster home, and I knew I was, I knew I was gonna make it one day. And I just started by selling stuff out of my trunk, and then this and that. Like those stories are amazing to us. We love hearing the story of the Jay Z type stories. Oh yeah, I was in the projects, and a lot of my friends died or went to jail, but I knew I was better than my situation, so I came out of it. I didn't know what label was me necessarily, but I knew I was going to get signed. And I knew I was going to keep going and get blah, blah, blah. It doesn't have to be rap. It's just that's a story we all know and we can kind of gravitate towards it. But the story of I was the first person in my family to graduate college. No one ever told me I can start a business. No one ever told me that I couldn't be a partner in a law firm. But I pushed it. I kept going. And here I am. And here's my story. You can do it too. Thank you guys for listening. As always, again, sorry for the break. That was 
on me. It won't happen again. You have my guarantee. As always, tell your friends, repost, tag, whatever. And um, I'll see you guys very soon. Thank you for listening. Deuces.